Adam Kessler, how are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking this uh, this interview, man, on short notice. I know you're going to be a busy, busy guy this week, keeping up with Vicky Barbalak, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> busy week ahead, but nothing today, so I'm glad to do it. You know, I, I was surprised when she said her age. I won't go there. I'm surprised she said her age and, and is open with uh, to it. And she is alive. And, man, it's like she's not her age. She's like 34-year-old woman who likes to party and have fun. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you would never expect it uh, unless right. you actually sit down and talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think that I think the comedy life leaves her feeling young and rejuvenated. Uh, when you have to be quick witted, uh, I yeah. think uh, sometimes you know it, it keeps away all the all the things that come with old age, where people tend to slow down and talk slow and all that. But when you're a comedian, you have to you know be turned on and ready to go whenever it, somebody Not makes a comment. Right, right, Not. right. She caught me dead <laughs> in my tracks. I don't know if you saw that little skit of uh, of ours, but I told her how I liked her wardrobe and the the little uh, the flares, right? And oh, right. she told me she basically caught me off guard. She's like, "What? I thought you were talking about my flab, you know?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, no, not at all." Yeah, and yeah, yeah. she kept going and going and going. And I was like, "You're gonna right. get me in trouble, Vicky," but. Have fun and and I will be at the Joker's uh show by the oh, way good. on the sixth on the sixth and good, uh, good. before before this interview is over you can put the uh yourself on the spotlight when it comes to dates and times because you're gonna go with her for Richland Richland and then Walla Walla correct yeah I think uh there's even another Tri Cities date um. In there, so I think it's um, the fifth, the sixth, and the yeah, seventh. those are yeah, and then I think the eighth is back in the Tri Cities, but it may be more of a show that's already sold out at Wine Social. Um, oh, but, okay, but yeah, right. but yeah, I think there's right. but yeah, I think there's four dates coming up, uh, all in that same area. But yeah, I think Walla Walla is at a theater, so it'll be a different type of venue than than uh, the others. With with Vicky though, I you got quite the name yourself. You're clean comedy. You 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 you've been around. You you have quite the resume too. Yes, you're in the 509 area code. That is right, right. Not not a not not a lot of notoriety, but you put yourself out there. And uh, one of the ways I noticed you is your. Uh, your poster, your your advertisement, your view right. with the guns and flames <laughs> and everything else. I mean, who does that? You do that. I have never right. seen any other comedian do that. Normally, it's like a, uh, what is it? A mugshot. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, headshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the mugshot definitely gets you more notoriety, I think. But, uh, but yeah, I have... Uh, uh, guy who makes local album covers so if you were in a local band and you wanted to put out uh uh, some music on like one of the streaming platforms or back you know in the 
10 years ago, we wanted to put out a CD. Uh, there's a guy in Tri-Cities who would make album covers. And I told him, I said, I said, I want that kind of a feel for my comedy advertising because I'm tired of people scrolling past every show that I announce yeah. without without paying any attention and nobody's buying tickets, nobody's stopping to read that I'm at Jokers on Friday or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and so I said, give me something eye-catching. And so we came up with this whole uh, deal to uh, make a bunch of those type of posters. Some I'm getting chased by dinosaurs. Some of them I'm, you know, shooting <laughs> yeah. it out in a ball of flames. But but yeah, they, they're definitely eye-catching and uh, get people to notice that there's a show coming. Yes, and uh, I, I didn't know at the time, but then when I was looking, I was like, "That's him!" Okay, awesome. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's eye catching, man. Whoever, if you're all behind it, dude, genius, genius. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that. All right. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Speaking of genius, a lot of people feel that you got to have shock and awe in your comedy. You gotta, you, you gotta shock. You gotta cuss. You gotta say anything just to get people's attention. But you, you keep people's attention by staying clean. I, clean as in clean humor. Not saying, not dropping f bombs. Not saying any cuss words. And you're funny, right? Right, right. And and it's it's definitely more challenging uh, to write a joke that. Um, still gets the same level of laughter uh, when you're not talking about risque topics and not using uh, bad language. But um, I think early on in uh, me doing comedy, it was that challenge that kind of made me go, well, people are saying that clean comedy is more difficult, but they're also saying that it pays better and that you work more places uh, if you're if you're you know not offending everybody. And yeah. so I went that way early on, and uh, it's just how I write now. Where because if you're using vulgar language and that's what gets the laughs, then to me the joke isn't funny. It's the vulgar language that's funny, which right. is fine. Yeah which is fine for some comedians, but also it's like, like sometimes you hear just the idea that somebody is presenting in a joke and that's funny without them even telling you a punchline. And so to me, it's harder to do that and more rewarding to do that because I can go and tell the joke to my aunt or go and tell the joke to somebody at the grocery store yeah, or go yeah. and tell the joke anywhere uh, and, and have people laugh at it and not go, not go, please stop talking to me, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so. Would you consider, people would consider, you know, you doing that at the grocery store, like dad jokes. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times <laughs> they do, they do consider it that, but it, <laughs> I think, I think if you're making puns and wordplay, I think a lot of times those are where the dad jokes come in oh, and, yeah. and not so much on a stand-up comedy stage where, um, you know, if you're if you're entertaining somebody for thirty minutes or an hour, um, then you're going to realize, oh, they're telling a story, or these jokes fit into this context where it's not just a pun about um, a burrito; it's fit into this 
story about them being at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so yeah, definitely uh, it falls into that dad joke category when there's a singular joke where you're using a pun or making a play on words in some other kind of way. You mentioned 30 minutes to an hour. What's, what's your favorite time? What's your best, uh, you know, gig, what time? Um, you usually an hour, just because it gives you time to, um, build, uh, that kind of connection with the audience to yeah. where, you know, if you're, if you're doing a show in New York, you're lucky to get seven minutes on a show. Uh, but if you're doing a show where you're touring around and it's you and one other comedian on the show, then you have a longer amount of time. And usually an hour, you're able to, you know, make a reference to somebody in the crowd who was noisy earlier and call call back to some, some joke that you did previously. But if you're, if you're in a rush and you've only got three minutes or seven minutes um, of stage time, then usually it doesn't allow a lot of uh, repertoire to, to, you know, uh, have that back and forth with the audience, uh, which is part of my favorite part yeah yeah every show is a bit different yeah yeah so what also not just the clean that sets you apart but you know the clean uh comedy but you interact with the audience not a lot of comedians interact with the audience unless they're getting heckled or they're bothered because somebody's talking during their gig right 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 yeah and i think i think i learned um that that is kind of what makes it special for them is that they know that this show isn't the same without them there. And so, and so if somebody's, you know, up front and they're, you know, making little comments about your jokes about dating and you ask them if they're on a date, I hope it goes well. And are you guys having a good time? And, and just building that because they know that you're up there to entertain them and this show isn't going to be like any other show um, because of that interaction that you're having. When did you, when did you find out interacting with the audience is key or your favorite or part of your gig? Um, One year, probably more than a decade ago, I ended up doing a show at a casino and uh, there was two people in the audience and uh, it was a super fun show, even though it was just these two people. And I realized because if you're, if you were performing a show for a thousand people and you had a bunch of opportunity to, um, you know, wait for the laughter to die down, move on to your next joke, it's time consuming, but if you're trying to fill an hour of material in front of two people, once they do their little chuckle with the joke, that joke's done. So, so you're kind of forced into, you know, talking to them and including uh, the situation into your hour. And so from that one show, which a lot of people would go, yeah, it was awful. I did a show for two people. I really got a lot out of it by saying, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They know that it was all about them and that I was just trying to make them enjoy themselves, you know. Do you prefer big auditoriums or uh small small town gigs? Um 
my favorite crowd size is usually a hundred or less. Um, and usually that's what I'm in. Um, I think the biggest crowds that I performed for, um, have been around 400 people and I've done that a few different times, but, but in those instances, they were fun, but a lot of times it's more fun to be in a place that holds a hundred people and it's packed, you know? Um, Yeah. Because you get those hundred people in there and um, you're getting a good, a good, good feedback on your jokes. You know, you're getting 50 or 60 of them to laugh at something. And then the other 50 or 60 laugh at something else. And it's kind of this uh, comfortable feel when you have about 70, 80, a hundred people in the room. Are you expecting a big crowd this week? (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, at, at uh, a few of the shows, there's um, very few tickets left. And so I don't know. I would guess that the wineries are probably going to be about 60 people. And then Jokers holds 250. And from what I heard, there was about 100 tickets left. Um, oh, okay. And so so that means, you know, at least, you know, over 100, 150 people at Jokers. And that was a few days ago. So if people are waiting and buying those tickets, you know, it, she sold out the last time that she was there um, she for, for multiple shows and 250. It's an awesome feeling because um, it feels like every joke you've written works and it, it right. you, because you have such a large target audience where if you're performing for 10 people, you may not, have them laughing at every joke but out of 250 people there's somebody laughing at everything you say so so being at a sold out show is really fun i'm normally one of them i drive my wife nuts (laughs) if it's funny if it's sophomoric if it's any kind of humor i catch on and it's just hilarious and i drive my my wife nuts but (laughs) my wife is is going to be with she's more selective Yes, yes, yes. It, she's more of uh, if it's more real life, or you, you know, like more mom jokes. Anything right. family wise, that's that's hers, and I think that's why she likes Vicky so much. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> she, she also loves Travis Nelson too. Shout out to Travis Nelson. He's he's a good guy. Right, 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 hey. right. right. That guy yeah. can tear somebody up uh, if the, uh, in a, no time if he's getting heckled or they're talking in the room. <laughs> Let me tell yeah, you. yeah, but he he definitely works a lot, and uh, that's one of the things that I've found is that, uh, like in my trip to New York, um, realizing that the amount of times that these comedians are on stage, uh, it it's sort of a muscle that they've perfected over time where they they have something to say for every situation that pops up somebody could um, sit down with a live lobster at their table and they'll go oh this guy again and you just go you've seen this sort of situation before and they just go well yeah i do 10 shows a night and you know so so they've worked out this muscle to the point where uh, they're definitely uh, sharp and ready for anything that gets thrown. It's nuts. It's nuts. And that itself is funny when they just burn them, man. It's just like, oh, my right. God. <laughs> right, 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 right. So with 
with everything said and done, you've been in the game for how long? You said you've been in it for a few, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I I started in two thousand four, and um, so that's eighteen years ago. Uh, but I quit my day job six years ago uh, okay. to just to just do comedy, and so so then you know. But in those six years, you know, two of them were COVID, so I didn't do any shows for uh, quite a long time. <laughs> but gotcha. now we're back. Now we're back a bit, so yeah, it's exciting to get back out there. When when did you know you can do it? You know the comedy scene. Um. I think, I think it was something more where I don't, I still don't know it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I knew I had to try it before I turned 40 mm-hmm. um, to give it a shot to see if I could do it full time because um, I guess I didn't want to keep the day job until I was 62 or 65 um, and retire and then see if I could do it. Uh, I just said, I said, you know, we'll we'll give it a shot and see if uh, if I can keep getting shows and keep um, the passion for it going. And and you know, COVID did affect that quite a bit, but um, I'm still not back at a day job yet. So so we're doing okay. all right. So you're doing all right. I so yeah. it should it must not be that bad. Must not be that bad. <laughs> well, yeah, COVID with the was bad, years, but yeah, right. With the years comes uh, hardships at COVID, right? right. But one of the hardships that I would uh, ask you is: you do you or have you struggled and ate a, enough peanut butter jelly sandwiches? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right. my wife, my wife and kids eat more of them than I do, but, uh, but yeah, they really like them. Yes. Yes. I still eat them and I drive my, my wife nuts. So I have to ask you this question. It's a staple okay. question. How okay. do you prepare or make or build a PBJ or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Okay. Okay. So, uh, what I'll do, we have, uh, some lactose intolerance in my house. And so I have three different kinds of bread. And so kind of depends on who's having the sandwich, but sometimes my kitchen has, you know, six pieces of bread going. They're all different because everybody prefers a different kind of bread. And so I'll, I'll get a cutting board out. I put all the pieces of bread down and then I start with the peanut butter. And so peanut butter goes on everything. Okay. And and, and then I'm. Uh, it's only on one piece of each sandwich, right? So, right. so one piece of bread gets the peanut butter. The other piece gets the jelly. But I do peanut butter on every sandwich that's getting it, and then I use that same knife to do the jelly. But it's pretty clean by the time uh, I'm ready to dip it in there. But that's I, a I do not, sin. <laughs> right? I do not. I do not get the peanut butter and jelly in the same jar, and I do not uh, use a dirty knife you know, going into yeah. a different jar, you know? Okay. And then, and then everybody wants, you know, the kids want theirs cut a certain way and no crust. And, and my wife, she just wants me to give her the sandwich. So. Okay. So. <laughs> what What's the ratio to peanut, peanut butter to jelly? I, I use a lot of both. Uh, I oh. use, I use probably more because Cause I feel like if I just do a thin little layer of each that yeah, it's mostly yeah. bread 
And so, so I'm doing, I'm doing a good, uh, probably an eighth of a cup of each. Uh, okay. If that's a good measurement. Okay. Uh, and, okay. uh, so, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty good size peanut butter and jelly. And they, they never asked me for a second one. So it must be enough. It did, it did its job. It's a good right. one. Then. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so being a comedian, you got, you got to know some comedians or enjoy comedians too. And one curveball, but what, are you an Adam Sandler fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Favorite Adam Sandler movie. It can be drama. It can be comedy. He's not known for his drama, but I love his drama movies. So. Right. Um, my favorite, I think it's been a long time since I've watched it, but big daddy was okay. a really good one. And he recently had a good one on Netflix about basketball. I forget the, what it was called. The hustle. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hustle. Okay. But bef- before that, he was a jeweler in, yeah. a, in a movie. But there was a lot of basketball in that one too. Yeah, and, uncut gem. Yeah, yeah. You know them all. Well, uh, but yeah, okay. I'd, I'd have to say Big Daddy was probably my favorite. Okay, uh, okay. I I uh, I haven't watched all of his movies, but uh, but I do really like uh, the ones that I've seen. Okay. I haven't seen the one where he plays his sister. Uh, is there is there one where he's his own sister and yeah. there's yeah yeah. Uh, I I would be surprised if there's more than one of those, but I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Okay, yeah, Al Pacino. <laughs> it, it was it was off the wall. I I can't believe they made that movie, but they did. They did. <laughs> yeah, there's there's somewhere I see the I see the advertisement for, it and I go, you know, there'll be another Adam Sandler movie out in about four months, so I'll just catch the next one. Yeah, another one is Ridiculous Six. <laughs> I'm just saying, Ridiculous Six was not a good one either, but you know, <laughs> each their own. That comedy was just a little too bad. So right, right. All right, let let me ask you, favorite comedian now. Alive. Um, that's tough. Um, I'll tell you who I really enjoyed. Like, um, I just watched. Like, I'm I'm already through all of the Netflix comedy specials, uh, yeah. and I'm on to YouTube now because people are putting their whole special on YouTube. Right, Schultz, and, uh, Andrew Schultz. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. He just he just put out uh, uh, one, and he he's uh, I think this is probably his first one, uh, but he knocked it out of the park. But but there was one by a guy. It came out about four months ago, but I just watched it yesterday. Uh, Ali Sadiq, and okay. and his entire I think he did an hour and twenty three minutes special, and the entire thing is one story yeah about where his life went wrong and it's fantastic and so i'll say i'll say since a lot of the comedians that i love are dead uh, i'll say ali sadiq is uh, my new favorite okay comedian as of yesterday or the day before what what comedian brought you in all-time favorite dead or alive um well, growing up, I watched Johnny Carson, and okay. I was five. I was five years old, and I was watching comedians on Johnny Carson, and uh, then I would repeat the jokes to my mom and uh, and make her laugh. But 
but I and I would say back then, um, you know, Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Richard Jenny, uh, okay. and uh, you know, there, there's so many of them from back then that were so great. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, Richard Jenny is one that I watched several of his specials over and over. Um, and when I was probably 12 years old, I got to see Bill Cosby live in Kennewick. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, all of those, you know, had an influence on me wanting to actually pursue it sometime. Um, so Dangerfield, that guy was not clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, all I knew him from was TV. And so uh, gotcha. I've heard, I've heard the stories about, um, about him from other comedians saying that he was dirty or filthy or whatever but i only knew him from his appearances on carson and um and you know old school or whatever his uh, where he went oh it's back to school back to school uh, yeah where, yeah. yeah and uh and so uh i knew him from all of his clean tv appearances and so to me he was a clean comic and I have Ladybug, a, that movie Ladybug, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where he had his his son dress up as a girl and play soccer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so he was he was all over the place when I was a kid, and I only knew him as a clean, funny, one liner comedian. But uh, but yeah, definitely. And some of his jokes, you know, are still um, easy to remember oh, now yeah. as uh, of the way he did it so yeah what what's the end result for you when do you know you you've had it not not so much retire but you've hit the top of the comedian game the com the comic world um well i used to say i'll know that i've made it when i can pay all my bills from comedy shows and um uh, like as far as quitting i you know i think a lot of comedians just go until they can't stand up on a stage for that long anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still have uh, quite a lot to do where, you know, I just want a full calendar and I just want to do a lot more comedy than I'm doing now. Um, you know, if I work 10 times in a month, that would be, um, you know, something where, where, you know, every weekend, because every weekend that comes, I'll see that some comedians have every weekend scheduled and filled on their calendar. And, you know, if I have that, you know, a couple months out of the year, I'll, I'd be like, wow, I'm really on a roll. Because uh, it seems like uh, a lot of comedians get a lot more bookings because they're um, out there trying to hustle and get all these shows going. And I just want, I want kind of the New York comedian life where they're doing a bunch of shows every day okay. and uh, and that's how much i love doing it and so i can i think you know retirement's quite a ways off for me but it's also um you know something where i know before that i want to be working a lot more than i am now okay all right that's <clears throat> how how does one do it day in day out like how how do you do what you do well, I think you have to be willing to write jokes um, that get you excited because okay. um, I think that's a lot of the kind of the more the busier comedians, 
uh, like the ones in New York, uh, they get excited to go out the next day or two days later because they wrote this thing last night about straws and they just got to tell everybody that they can tell <laughs> about these straws and what, and what they thought was so good. And, uh, and so I think it, as long as you're still in love with making up jokes and writing jokes and telling jokes, um, I think that's how they keep going because if you were to tell the same 20 minutes worth of jokes every night, there would definitely be a burnout point where you go, yeah, who cares? You know, there's nothing new and exciting for me, but that's part of the crowd interaction for me is because I go, well, this is going to be different because I'm going to talk to people that have never been to my show before. And I'm going to ask them uh, this question and uh, go this way. And plus I've wrote this new joke about, uh, the straws and I just got to tell them. Yeah. And so I think that's how uh, okay. you keep going and not getting bored and stagnant. Okay. How, how is it being away from family though? Well, I would have probably gave a different answer before COVID um, because um, with the pandemic, I was, in my house with my wife and kids for two years in a row. And so now everybody's just like, yeah, go. (laughs) We've we've seen you 24 hours a day for the past 24 months, please leave. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was definitely a different answer before. Uh, But now it's, it's more of a, Oh wow. I can't believe we get to get together again and have this different experience where not everybody's at the house. And, with, with with standing out, you know, clean comedy, interacting with the audience, you do something different than most comedians that I've follow or uh, pay attention to. You 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 go to retirement homes. Is that a, a a new thing? Is that a do a lot of comedians do that? How do you uh, know that community loves to laugh or? loves to put have gigs on for right. the retirees. Right. Back when I back when I had a day job, um, there was one that contacted me and uh and said, we want to try a comedy show for our residents. And I think it was 2016. So it was before I before I quit in 2016. Um I went and gave it a shot and uh the show went fine and it was it wasn't perfect because it was my first time in front of people that were 90 and 100 years old and um, having hearing aids and whatever but but I went and then at part of part of the show was I was talking directly to some of them I said you got any hard candy and you know asking you know it just cute little questions and talking to them about life in the retirement community how's the food here and all of these things And then from there, I just said, well, why not? So every time I would get scheduled, like, let's say I was doing a winery show in Portland uh, and I, and I knew about it two months in advance, I would call all these different retirement communities in the Portland area and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be there on the 11th. Do you want to show for your residents? And, uh, and then, so I would go and I would do a show at two in the afternoon and four in the afternoon. And then I would go and do my winery show at eight at night or whatever. And, uh, so it made me better because I got so many shows in, but also yeah. I'm in front of different people every, 
uh, time. And they're funny people. They're, oh, they're, oh, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't stop being funny just because they turned 85. Um, but, but they just don't have anybody to tell the jokes to until I get there. Is it surprising that they get your jokes and laugh hysterically? <laughs> like, uh, for real. Uh, I think uh, now that I've done so many of those shows, um, I can go for 45 minutes just telling them stories of other retirement communities that I've been to. And, uh, and so it's really relatable to them. Jokes about forgetfulness, jokes that retirees have told me, uh, jokes yeah. about, you know, um, the food, jokes about the, the uh, ambulance rides and all the other stuff. Um, you know, I, I just tell them about all the other shows that I've done at retirement communities. And before yeah. you know it, the show's over. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of them really relate to it. In the beginning, it was more sharing about my own life and my own family. But yeah. after being to enough of them, now I just include their experience uh, in my act and I could talk to him for 45 minutes or an hour and just talk about, um, life at the retirement community. I'm pretty sure you get some heartfelt stories too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the mistakes that I've made, um, in talking with the audiences, I, I don't try and talk to them about this subject anymore, but when mm -hmm. I would talk about my wife and my three kids, and then I would say, does anybody here have kids and grandkids? And their hands would go up and I would talk to them back and forth. And I would say, who has the most kids here? And if somebody raised their hand, I used to have seven or whatever. And then it just breaks your heart and you just go, oh, yeah, you've outlived your children. You know, and so it's yeah, super man. sad to like have that sort of interaction. But then then you just go, you know, they're they're dealing with, you know, old age and everything else. Uh, but but yeah, there's definitely uh, uh, that sort of thing where you learn after a few shows. You go, yeah, don't ask them how many kids they've got because the number may not, you know, bring them happiness. They may go, I used to have seven and now I have six or whatever, and you just go, oh, I'm sorry about that, <laughs> you know, and you just go, yeah. I didn't mean to break your heart, you know. When when do you uh, when's your next retirement uh, home gig? Um, I'm scheduling some stuff for November, um, but they're, they're going back and forth on the date. Uh, so, so it might be around mid November in Kennewick. Is there any way possible that this young man or 40 year old man could, uh, check it out? Um, yeah, some of the places have, you know, still their COVID protocols in mm -hmm. place. So I, I would definitely be able to check on it, but okay. some of the places they, uh, if you're not uh, an employee or a paid visitor or whatever, sometimes they have pretty strict uh, COVID gotcha. things in place because they really, you know, they they're yeah. the ultimate germaphobe uh, gotcha. to try and keep them all healthy. Well, I mean, I can donate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And some sometimes sometimes they have uh, ones where their whole family can be invited, and so th sometimes those shows are fun because they get to see their grandma laugh where right. maybe they maybe they never seen them laugh the way that they would at a comedy show and so it's really fun sometimes when they're allowed to have their whole family come and visit during that time right. uh, that they're having a show so 
with the retirement home, I, I commend you, man. I commend you for uh, taking a leap uh, <laughs> in that direction, man. And it, it, I could only believe or imagine how uplifting it is to see those, you know, the retirees laugh as right, right, right as they do. I mean, I it make it makes me feel happy inside just knowing that you're there for them to laugh, and that's it. Right, right, you know? right, right no judgment, no nothing, but can, can you explain to the listeners, because we're always talking about giving back to the community. This is your give back to the community, correct? Right. Yes. And, and and because the pay is not so well or something, you have a GoFundMe. Can, can you explain? Well, um, I've been contacted by a few retirement communities that they reach out and they they don't know where I live, um, but they've seen um, things online with mm-hmm. uh, with pictures of me at the retirement community, or they network where the one in you know Portland networks with the one in uh, Eugene, Oregon, or whatever. And so they'll call me uh, or email and just say just say I heard you did this show. We'd love a show for our residents. We have a fifty dollar budget and. Uh, they're four and a half hours away from where I live. Yeah. And I go, I go, okay, well, do you network with anybody? Because if, if you have $50 budget and somebody else has a hundred dollar budget, maybe I can make it work. But when gas is $5 a gallon and you usually you go on the road and you eat at Burger King or Arby's or something on the way to and from the show. um, And after, after gas and food, like, you've spent your hundred dollars or whatever, whatever it was. And so I just decided, well, I'll put up the GoFundMe and for every $300 that I get on GoFundMe, I'll go and do a show somewhere for free. So it doesn't cut into their budget and they can still, still have their uh, monthly entertainment uh, without having to, um, pay somebody to come in and i i have heard of other comedians trying to do shows at retirement communities yeah. but they they'll usually shut the mic off uh, partway through or or just tell them no thank you after the first couple of um minutes oh. because <laughs> because you know it, it it is a tough crowd if you think you're gonna go in there and just tell them your filthy jokes yeah and, and they're gonna be just like a rowdy bar crowd uh it, it's definitely a different uh kind Makes of group sense. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense, but yeah, I mean, you're the guy, right? You're right, the guy. right. I mean, you're the one getting the gigs there. That's right, that's, right. that's awesome. So, right. um, wh- where can they donate? Um, I I don't know that there's an exact identification number for it, but I put it up on GoFundMe as retirement community comedian, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of explain the whole story there, just because I don't like to say no. Uh, when they're asking yeah. me to do a show that I have, yeah, I, if I have the date open, I want to say yes. But if it's going to cost me $70 to do a show, um, I can't make that. I can't pay to go somewhere and do a show um, because, um, you know, I'm if I if I'm taking three hours to drive somewhere, that means I'm taking three hours to drive back. That means, right. you know, I I might not have the ability to do another show that day and uh, a lot of the things about 
a comedy career is if you're scheduling a show on a Friday and a show on a Saturday and you have a three or a five hour drive, that's your show that day. You can't right. go, well, I'm going to double and triple up and have multiple shows so that I can have the gas money to get home. And so uh, not all the gigs are ones that pay you enough to fly there and to give you dinner and yeah. put you in a hotel. Sometimes you're just doing the gig so that you can have a hundred dollars that day. Uh, but when gas prices and food are what they are, um, I have to say no sometimes, or I say, let me get back to you once I've talked to three other communities about it. The venues this week. Yes. Wednesday, you guys will be at Bookwalter. Yes. Right at seven. Is it seven, seven thirty? Yeah, I believe it's seven. Okay. And then do you have one show at Jokers or two shows at Jokers? Uh, they, the last that I heard, they were still selling tickets for the first show at okay. eight o'clock. And so maybe if they sell that out, maybe they would add a second show at 10. Okay. Uh, but for now, it's just one show at eight o'clock, I believe. And that's on October 6th. That's Thursday. Right, right. And then October 7th, you'll be at Giza Powerhouse Theater in Walla Walla. Right, right. Okay. It, it, I, 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 I do my homework and I make sure I get it all. <laughs> and, yep. and I look forward to seeing you, man, and hearing you. And hopefully all I ask is just a picture, man. If, if it's okay, oh, yeah. I can get a picture with you and, sure. and my wife there. And uh, that's it, you know. For and, sure. Hopefully you had a good time tonight and uh, you, you could come back or let me know when you do one, uh, a local show when you, you have a hour long, an hour long skit. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it was really fun. I want to come back on to talk about uh, the running trails or hiking trails because I, I run every day, but I don't, I don't know where to go for no. good trails around the Tri-Cities and trails for hiking and things like yeah. that. I, you know, everybody hikes Badger Mountain, but I'm sure you have more insight as to the best yeah. places to be and where to go. Maybe, maybe Thursday I could, you know, after that, uh, that picture, I can tell you a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, trade, we'll trade hiking information for uh, yeah. a, quick, a quick selfie. Yeah, man, Badger, you can spend all day on Badger, actually, and not be on the same trail. It's pretty interesting. So Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk more, but Adam, it's been a pleasure, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and, and, and sharing your story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, Adam. See you Thursday. Okay. <laughs> all good. right, man. Thank all you. All right, bye. Bye.